0: Hello everybody, it is Michael here back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I got a ton to talk about in this episode. The NBA trade deadline was just absolute madness. Such a crazy day that so many big moves happened. I really, really enjoyed that day. Uh, we also got to talk about the crazy trade that happened uh, between the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Eagles that has really shaking up the NFL draft. Uh, and Yeah, I got a ton of cool stuff coming up soon for the podcast, ton of stuff just working on the back end, and I'm really excited for you guys to see that. So yeah, let's get right into the episode. First thing I want to talk about was all the moves that the Orlando Magic made at the trade deadline because it was definitely a ton of them. They are completely hitting the reset button, which honestly surprised me quite a bit. I expect them to definitely make some trades. Uh, Aaron Gordon seemed like he was 100% gone. I thought it made sense for them to get rid of the expiring contract in Evan Fournier. I even thought they were going to trade Terrence Ross too, but I was super surprised when they traded Nikola Vucevic. But honestly, I like that they're doing this it's just a complete reset and gets them out of the situation that they've been in for a while which is being a decent team, but nothing great, and obviously they haven't been good this year due to mainly injuries, but I like that they're finally committing to a direction, which is clearly a youth movement uh, where they're getting a ton of young talent and just seeing who's going to be there for the long haul, and I'm a big, big fan of that. Uh, the trade that they made with the Chicago Bulls was Nikola Vucevic and Alfredo Aminu for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., a 2021 first round pick, top four protected, and a 2023 first round pick as well. Uh, I think Wendell Carter's a pretty interesting young prospect. I was really high on him coming into the year, but he had a super disappointing year so far. He's a guy who has a lot of defensive potential and he has a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball that you like. He's an amazing team defender for sure fantastic at making smart rotations really good defensive communicator as well and you really like that you love the iq on the defensive side of the ball you love the effort that he put in uh, puts in but the one thing that really hurts him on defense is his lack of size uh, he just isn't very tall, and he doesn't really have like that strength to make up for it. So it just really hurts what he uh, is supposed to be on the defensive side of the ball. Everybody was comparing him to like Al Horford coming into the draft, but he's pretty significantly shorter than Al Horford. Uh, I feel like a while ago he said he was like six seven and a half without shoes. And that's just going to be a big struggle when you're guarding a guy like Joel Embiid. And that's why we saw so many centers consistently go off against the Bulls. So that's something he definitely needs to figure out. Uh, But I do still like his potential on defense. I really like his ability to play make on the offensive side of the ball. Again, he's a super high IQ player as a whole, which you definitely really like. He's... Uh, just really, really smart, and that's uh, probably one of his biggest uh, attributes. He's also shown the ability to hit jumpers occasionally, uh, which in the modern NBA you always like to see. And now that he's like has a lot less pressure under him, especially for this uh, last half of the year where they're just going to be probably just giving the young guys a ton of minutes, Terrence Ross is going to be averaging like 30. Uh, it's going to be a time where he can. Uh, just figure out who he is as a player, and experiment a bit. You know, he could take threes, he could uh, take mid ranges out of the pick-and-pop, and and no one's going to get mad at him or say it's a bad shot or anything or wasted possessions just because the Magic are going to struggle. So I do think this is a big opportunity to see how good Wendell Carter Jr. is, and because he'll be getting less uh, minutes than Vucevic, I think it's also a big opportunity to see Whatever Mo Bamba is Mobamba was someone who I really liked coming out of the draft, but I knew he had pretty high bust potential and that's what he's lived up to so far. He just hasn't been that good at all, but he also really hasn't played because Vucevic has been so good. Uh, so I just want to see what they have in Mo Bamba. The idea of Mo Bamba is a very, very good player, uh, but when you just have never actually seen him on the court, it's impossible to judge uh, what he is because he's on the court, but it's such limited amounts. Uh, that even when he's having a good moment, you know he's going to be taken out in a couple minutes uh, because Vucevic has uh, been playing so fantastic for them. So I'm excited to see what we uh, get out of the young centers uh, on Orlando for sure. And I do think if Wendell Carter can hit his potential, especially on defense, that makes a really nice front court with Jonathan Isaac. You also get Otto Porter Jr., who I think is a nice buyout candidate. I would have loved to see them try and maybe throw him to a third team, but his contract makes that... Uh, really hard because his contract is so big so if they can just buy him out and he can go to a contender I think that's good for them and it was good salary filler this 2021 first even though I do think the Bulls are a playoff team now I still think it's going to be a pretty solid pick because they would be on the lower end of playoff teams I I would expect for it to be around the 15th pick and in such a good draft that still should be a pretty good pick and if you develop uh whatever person you draft uh correctly I think they could be a big part of your team going forward if you could get uh, a pretty good score or some type of three to put on your team i think that would be really nice Uh, and overall i'm a pretty big fan of this move for the magic i think it's a pretty solid one it honestly just all depends on what they do with the two first round picks they got and how well wendell carter jr does develop Uh, i wish they could have got maybe a little bit more for vucevic but if it wasn't there this is still a pretty damn good trade and i still like it Uh, And then they also made a trade with Evan Fournier where uh, they got Jeff Teague, who was released a 2025 second round pick, a 2027 second round pick, and the $17.5 million trade exception that the Boston Celtics have. And the Celtics obviously get Evan Fournier. And even though uh, Evan Fournier was on an expiring contract, I just find it hard to believe that they couldn't get something more. For a good player, he's a guy who is a very, very good scorer, shoots the ball well, and again, he's on an expiring contract, so his value was always going to be lower, and I wish you would have just traded him, like, a year before, Uh, but I just, again, find it hard to believe that you couldn't have at least gotten some, like, young player, even if they're not maybe the greatest young player, Uh, I just wish, even if the Celtics threw, like, Carson Edwards in there, uh, Carson Edwards has been really bad, but it's just something, at least, I don't love this trade because the Celtics are going to be really good uh, for the most part, you'd at least expect. So those second-round picks, it's not like you're getting a second-round pick from a team that's going to be bad, and then that pick will be high. The the Celtics should be pretty good in those years, so it'll be pretty low. And I just wish they got more out of Evan Fournier, but it's, again, one of those things where, like, if nothing else was there, then it kind of is what it is, but you would have just wished they traded him a bit earlier. And then the last big trade that they made was uh, the the Nuggets getting Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton at a 2025 first round pick. And I'm a pretty big fan of this move for the Magic. It's not my favorite move by any means. uh, And I wish they would have done the move with the Celtics uh, if it got them someone like Aaron Nesmith, just because I think he fits what they need a bit more. And I think he... Uh, does have pretty good potential, Uh, but I do still like what they got, and I still think it's a pretty solid uh, move for them, as they get RJ Hampton, who's definitely shown uh, quite a bit of potential, my one thing is, is like, if Markel Fultz, uh, uh, RJ Hampton, and Cole Anthony all pan out, and are all good, which I think is a pretty good chance of happening, that it definitely just creates a bit of a log jam at that guard position. Uh, but when you're a rebuilding team, I never think you should draft for fit or trade for fit. I think you should just trade for the best player possible and then kind of just decide uh, what you're doing from there. You get Gary Harris, who's been pretty bad these past couple of years, has dealt with a lot of injuries, uh, so he it really isn't going to be must much for them. I would hope that they could maybe try and flip him for something, Uh, in the future I don't really know Uh, maybe they can boost his value in the short time he's going to be here and then maybe move him in the offseason but he isn't really much and then you get a 2025 first which obviously that's a while until you get that pick so you don't know what the nuggets are going to be and I have no clue what the 2025 uh, class is looking like but hopefully by then you can be a a pretty competent team so maybe you can draft a player to be just a development guy or you could trade that pick in the future i think it's a solid move you get a nice young prospect in rj hampton you get a first i wish they maybe got a little bit more out of it but i think it's far from an awful trade and again i just like the direction they're going in i like that they're really committing to the fact that they are going to be a bad team so they're going all in on picks and young players. Uh, And it's all about their development staff, developing these guys right. And they definitely haven't done that in the past. So uh, we just have to see what happens in the future. I hope they put these guys in the position to succeed. And I like this young core. I like that they got Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Chumo Kiki, Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter, Mo Bomba, first round picks. Like That's a nice little young nucleus. And especially with how bad you're going to be this year. You got the chance to get a top three pick and potentially even the number one pick. And in a class this good where you could get Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Evan Mobley, obviously Cade Cunningham. There's so many fantastic players in this class. Jalen Suggs. You really have the chance to get a franchise-changing player and to get a clear direction of where you're going in the future and look really, really nice So. I'm overall a fan of the moves that the Magic made. It's like at certain points, I wish they maybe got a little bit more, but it's far from the worst trades. And overall, I think they had a good deadline. And at the end of the day, I'm just really happy they are finally choosing a clear direction because that is something they lacked for a long, long while. And now they definitely have that and are going somewhere, even if it's uh, probably losing for a while now. Next team I want to talk about who made a lot of big moves at the 2021 NBA trade deadline is the Chicago Bulls. Obviously, they made the massive move uh, for Nikola Vucevic. I just talked about what my thoughts were on the Magic side, but I do really want to talk about what my thoughts are on the Chicago Bulls uh, side. I think this is a fantastic trade for them. I think they absolutely killed it with this move. It is so great for them to get a player like Vucevic. You give up Wendell Carter, who was super disappointing this year. And if you want to win games, he can't be your starting center. You give up Otto Porter Jr., who is on an expiring contract and has been disappointing as well. Deals with a lot of injuries. A 2021 first, which is a bit dicey. But I do think Vucevic makes them a significantly better team than a 2023 first. Uh, which by then, they should be pretty solid. So I like this move. They didn't have to give up a crazy amount of value. It's definitely value. Don't get me wrong. But getting a player of the caliber of Nikola Vucevic is just absolutely incredible for them. It gives them a legitimate duo and gives them one of the better duos in the league as a whole. This is an all-star caliber player you are acquiring, and he's having his best season he's ever had. He has been fantastic this year he's a big who can run in both the pick and roll and the pick and pop and I think a pick and pop or pick and roll with him and Zach Levine is dangerous because those two are such big scoring threats That you're basically forced to switch on that. And Zach is going to be able to cook most big men. And Vucevic is going to dominate most guards. So I think that's a really dangerous play that they can run. And you're really creating a nice dynamic duo. Obviously, they got to get their chemistry down. We haven't even seen them play yet. Uh, But overall, I'm just a big fan of them really just acting like a big market team. Because this is something the Bulls haven't done in so long is they've always made what seemed to be the safe move. They never took a big swing, and they are taking a bit of a risk by trading future picks and a young player who could be good for a 30-year-old. But these are the type of risks that you need to make because this is a calculated risk. Vucevic still should be pretty damn good for at least like four more years because he's one of those guys who doesn't rely on athleticism. It's mostly that he's a big man who has such good touch around the basket and is a very good shooter as a whole. Uh, too. So his game should age pretty well. He's actually on a contract where the contract goes down every single year. So that's structured really, really well for the Bulls. You get Aminu, who is uh, going to be basically a non-factor for you. I mean, maybe he can play some rotation minutes, uh, but he just isn't that good of a player and he's on an expiring deal. It's just made uh, for the money. Uh, but overall, I'm a big fan of what Vucevic could bring to this team, especially because he can bring them a different option at the end of games. Because so many times I feel like at the end of the game, it's just Zach Levine, ISO ball. And that's not even uh, blaming Zach Levine by any means, it's more just blaming that they don't really have a consistent option outside of that because like uh kobe white is super streaky uh larry's had a pretty good year but he's not someone you really give the ball to and like ask him to uh, make a shot he's more of a guy who just plays within the flow of the offense so you get a guy in vucevic who can give you a completely different dynamic as a post player who's one of the best post players in the league and has proven that he can close out games so now you've got two closers on your team two all-star caliber players. You're making really, really smart moves and getting a player who's going to help your team a ton. So many people have been criticizing this move, saying like, oh, well, it puts their ceiling as a first-round exit, You're gonna be just like the Magic. And I'm like, first of all, a team that has two all-stars and two guys who are pretty damn talented, I think that's more than a first-round ceiling. And they still have so much young talent on this roster and so many moves that they can make in the future. I was just thinking about this yesterday the potential moves that they can make because they still got a lot to do in my opinion and i just think the future is super bright they also made another move which i think was super interesting where they were able to get daniel tice to be a backup center which as a celtics fan while daniel tice probably shouldn't be a starter if you really want to win a championship as a backup daniel tice is going to be excellent for them good defender catches lobs well can shoot it occasionally that's a fantastic move for them they also got Troy Brown Jr. who I think is a nice young prospect has struggled this year for sure but I really like Troy Brown especially I like his potential to be a point forward type of player that's what he kind of came into the league as he's also a pretty good defender just really needs to figure out the shooting which is obviously a struggle Uh, but I still think that's a really nice move as well they got rid of Chandler Hutchinson who I do like his potential and think he could be solid and they got rid of Daniel Gafford who's kind of just a a run jump and dunk uh, type of center so he's not bad by any means but he's a player who I just don't think is like super important uh, to the team that much And now they just got uh, a clear direction and a pretty nice team. They also got Javante green who could, I guess be a solid energy guy. Uh, He's exciting to watch as far as he's got some cool dunks, uh, but he's not really that good of a player. Uh, But as a whole, I think they made some uh, really good moves, Uh, but I do definitely still have questions about this team for sure. And it mostly comes from Lowry Markinen, who I think is in one of the more interesting situations. Uh, As a whole, just because he's one of those players who is in kind of a weird spot with where the NBA has gone to, where he's a stretch big, which every team wants, and that's the ideal type of big man to be. But he's, in a weird way, a stretch big who isn't really quick enough to play. Uh, forward because he's not going to guard the four super well especially just with the, with the way athleticism is going in the NBA there's so many quick and athletic forwards say if you were playing a team like the Boston Celtics and you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the wing he's going to be kind of screwed because he also can't really guard the center position that well because he doesn't have the strength and just the interior presence but he is super talented. He has shot the ball the best he ever has this year. And he's been really good on offense this year. So I think another team is gonna want him. And he's gonna be a restricted free agent. So the thing I hope the Bulls can do, and I'm not gonna say who they should trade for, because I don't I don't have a clue to be honest. But I think some sort of Lowry Markinen sign and trade in the offseason would be a super interesting idea. I mean, maybe if the Pelicans wanted Lowry and say like they're kind of just going all in on offense, uh, they're going for a shooter alongside Zion, you could maybe make a swap with Lonzo Ball. I think that could definitely be interesting. I, again, I don't really have a super good idea of uh, a sign and trade, but I think that would be a fascinating idea is just to sign and trade Lowry marketing and then make Patrick Williams your four going forward because I love Patrick Williams. I am absolutely in love with his game so so much. He's been really solid this year. He's just one of the more consistent rookies already. While he hasn't had like a ton of big moments, he's played some good defense on really good players, and he's had some solid scoring nights. It's just the level of consistency out of a out of a guy who's as young as him, youngest born, um, youngest American born player coming into this draft class. And he's already shown such a good level of consistency and just maturity uh, physically and mentally as well. Like, he's never scared going against the best wings, especially on defense. And then he's already a guy who is built like a five-year NBA vet. He's super strong, and he could probably even put on more muscle, which is terrifying. He's shown the ability to, you know, create his own shot a little bit. It's mostly just simple uh, one-dribble pull-up jumper uh, he's sh- uh, shot the ball well on catch and shoots this year he cuts to the basket well pretty good finisher and is overall just a really solid impactful player rebounds well And I think he's the perfect fit alongside Vucevic. He kind of just reminds me of like a mini Kawhi Leonard in a way where Kawhi started in the league as a defensive guy who could just very occasionally create a shot, but it was mostly just catch and shoots, easy finishes at the basket. And then he slowly developed into hitting the uh, one dribble pull-up jumper. And then he would maybe do uh, a step back or he would do a post fadeaway. And I think... uh, that Patrick Williams has already shown like the framework to have that ability. And I think he's going to be very, very nice in the future. And I think that could be a potential big three. I think Patrick Williams is going to be an all-star caliber player in this league. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it's by like his third year, I just really believe in this dude. And I think that was uh, such a good pick, even though it was criticized by a ton of people, me, uh, me included, but that was a fantastic pick and it's shown to be that. Uh, And I also do think Kobe White is a player that I would trade from this team. I do think he could be a good six man. And if that's what they want him to do, uh, I think that's fine. But he just can't start alongside Levine. They need a playmaker. That's the thing they still need by far the most. Now that they got the center position figured out, now that they got a real... Uh, interior presence who even though he isn't a great defender he's just a bigger body than Wendell which honestly may be an improvement enough on defense they need someone who's going to set up the offense and really be a floor general for them that's why the Lonzo Ball rumors were so fascinating because Lonzo is literally the perfect type of guy that this team needs so if they could land someone like Lonzo Ball in restricted free agency again i brought up the lowry marketing idea potentially i think that would be absolutely fantastic and would make this bulls team like a top five team in the eastern conference if they could do something like that i just believe in zach levine patrick williams and uh obviously Nikola Vucevic so much I think Thaddeus Young has been fantastic for them off the bench this year Garrett Temple's been really solid off the bench too Thomas Sadoransky's a nice vet like they got good vets off the bench Uh, two all-star caliber players a guy who I think can grow into being a top-tier role player and then an all-star sooner rather than later and then if you could get a guy who can shoot the ball as well as Lonzo does play defense and then play make Oh boy, this team will be looking really nice. And I love the moves that the Bulls made. They're going all in on a playoff push right now. And I'm a big fan of that. Uh, They're acting like the big market team that they are. And hopefully this will mean they can get uh, future free agent signings and get good players on the roster. I love uh, their new front office regime. They're doing a really good job over there and I just really enjoyed the moves that the Bulls made as a whole. I think it was a fantastic trade deadline for them and I definitely think they're one of the bigger winners. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about all the moves that the Boston Celtics made at the 2021 NBA trade deadline. I'm a huge Celtics fan man. a Celtics fan uh, ever since I've started watching basketball and this was definitely a big moment for us to see what trades we made. We had a ton of flexibility with the trade exception and I do have a bit of mixed feelings uh, at, on our trade deadline as a whole, but I do think we did a pretty solid job, and I think it was a pretty decent uh, deadline as a whole for us. I love the Evan Fournier move. We only had to trade two second-round picks. It obviously sucked that we had to include the trade exception in there. And my one thing... And my one issue with this trade is, I just wish we could've got a little bit more out of the trade exception. It's just one of those things where it's like, the player's very good. We didn't really have to give up anything of significant value. But with a trade exception as big as that, you really would've hoped it would've been like a two for one deal. That's what my uh, goal was. Like, I would've loved if we could've got Terrence Ross in that trade too. I think that would've been huge for us, but I'm still super happy uh, about getting Fournier on the team. And I don't know how the trade exception works ex- exactly because trade exceptions are so confusing. But I th- think at least I may be completely wrong on this. So uh, if if I am, make sure to let me know. But I think you can still use like the part of the trade exception that we haven't used. So in the offseason, I think we could still trade for like a $10 million contract. Again, I'm not 100% sure by any means. But from what I've heard, I think that's how it works. So we could still make another move in the offseason to get some more depth to the team. And that is what I'm most happy about is just us getting more depth because that is by far the biggest issue. Everybody talks about center play. And it's like, yeah, could our centers be better? Of course. And are we going to get probably destroyed by Joel Embiid in the playoffs? Of course. But like the whole Miles Turner situation per se, everyone criticizes us so much for that. But first of all, Miles Turner isn't as good as a lot of people think. Very good player, don't get me wrong. But whenever he faces Joel Embiid, he gets demolished. So if we were going to face Embiid in the playoffs, we're going to get destroyed anyway. Our biggest issue is by far our depth has sucked for multiple years. And it's crazy to me how Danny Ainge has so many picks, yet still has one of the most top-heavy teams in the league. So getting a guy like Evan Fournier, who is a proven bucket in this league, a guy who can average a a pretty efficient 20 points per game is just fantastic for us. I absolutely love us getting a player like Fournier. And this isn't a one for one comparison by any means. They're very different players but he is going to kind of play the Gordon Hayward type of role where he's going to be that fourth scoring option on some nights, the third option, and he's just going to be a pretty reliable and consistent scorer for us, which is super big. I'm going to be so happy to have... Uh, Jason Tatum have another actual NBA player to kick it in the corner to because there's so many times where we have just non-shooters out there and they hurt the spacing so much and hurt how good our offense can be. So that's definitely just massive for us to get a guy like Fournier, especially when uh, Kemba Walker is going to be out due uh, to rest. That's going to be huge to have another guy who can create his own shot, who can get buckets. He could play in a and molt- uh, multiple roles he could play as like a six-man type of role off the bench he could play alongside Kemba he could play alongside Smart uh, he could play as like the second option when Kemba's out and maybe we only have one of the J's in I just think he could do a bunch of different stuff for us but the main things he's gonna do is uh, take shots uh, catch and shoots uh, in the wing and in the corner and then create his own shot occasionally and just give the Celtics another dynamic, give them another option and give them some more consistency. I really like us giving M. Fournier and I think he's going to be really impactful for the team. Uh, We're playing OKC tonight, I'm pretty sure. So that will definitely be uh, big to see how Fournier does for us in that game. Uh, But I just think he's a really good fit for the team as a whole. It allows Marcus Smart to play off the bench, which I think is Smart's best role. As much as I love Smart, I just think he's Uh, Works really well as a six-man, just because that allows him to kind of run the offense off the bench, uh, be the playmaker, and set everybody up. And obviously, we're still going to have one of the Jays in the game, so I think this is just a really nice trade for the Celtics. Even though maybe you would want to get a little more out of the trade exception, Evan Fournier is still a damn good player. We should have his bird rights in the off-season, so as long as we can re-sign him, which I'm pretty confident we'll be able to, uh, I think this is a really, really solid move. You're giving up almost no value. You got rid of Jeff Teague. Thank God. And uh, I just think that's a great move as a whole. This uh, next move made me kind of sad. It was us getting rid of Daniel Tice. Uh, I I do get it 100%, but I really like Daniel Tice. I like Tice uh, more than a lot of Celtics fans do. Uh, I think Tice is a really good defender even if he does kind of get eaten alive by some of like the better bigs he's a pretty solid defender uh just like as a team defender and he's going to do a good job on most uh just decent centers as well he can stretch the floor occasionally he's good at catching lobs getting the getting rebounds he's just a solid overall player and it was really cool to just see the development that he had as an undrafted free agent he was a guy who a couple years ago was like the worst player in the nba and then developed into being a a pretty solid starting center so it was really really nice to see just the progression of Tice Uh, but it is time for a new era and that is the Robert Williams Time Lord era it's finally here and that is the one thing that makes this trade a lot better for me if it was just getting rid of Tice then I would be kind of mad about it. But because of how good uh, Robert Williams has been playing recently, I'm completely fine with it. We get a stretch big off the bench in Mo Wagner, who is a pretty damn good uh, shooter. And he'll just bring a bit of a different option to us at the big. Because even though Tice could shoot, it's not really a big option. While Mo Wagner is just mostly a shooter. Uh, But it just allows Robert Williams to really be free and just be our starting center for the future which I think is fantastic for us and I think is really really big we even saw in the game against the Bucks, which I think that Bucks game showed what the Celtics team could be that was even without Evan Fournier but that Bucks game showed what we all know the Celtics have the capability to do and it really just gave me a lot of hope and I really hope that could be a good thing of uh, a good sign of things to come, because Tatum was the star player that we all know he can be, and was fantastic that game. Smart had a very very solid game, doing his hustle stuff, playmaking, and then shot the ball well. Kemba didn't really need to do anything special, and was just pretty average that game. But as long as he's not hurting us, uh, it's fine. Uh, Jalen also had a pretty average game, but Jalen's average games are pretty great games because he's been so fantastic this year. And Robert Williams showed off the versatility that he has. He had a near 5x5 five five game in his first game as a starter. This dude is just special at the end of the day. I really like his ability to play make, and that's something that we didn't really see in his first couple years of being in Boston, but has really been unlocked this year. He's shown some really impressive vision, and that's been fantastic to see. Uh, he's also a guy who's so athletic, and I think he's going to get so many easy assists off handoff plays because he can be one of the best Uh, guys to run handoff plays with in the league to be honest because of how athletic he is and how good he is at catching lobs because if you think of a handoff where you got Jason Tatum uh, running some off ball action gets the handoff Robert Williams sets a screen you're in a tough position because you're gonna have to commit to Jason Tatum who is such a fantastic scorer as a whole because he'll maybe go in the short corner getting nice little fade away which he's fantastic at or he'll just attack the basket and then if the defense does collapse on him can kick it to a shooter like Evan Fournier or he can lob it up top to Robert Williams who catches basically everything I swear like he's just special at the end of the day he's a guy who still has issues on defense where he jumps sometimes when you wouldn't want him uh, but he can make a bunch of big plays he's got really good hands great shot blocker forces a ton of turnovers and I just like the up-tempo style of basketball that he can play because he is uh smaller like Daniel Tice but he's way more athletic than Tice. Tice is pretty underrated athletically, but Robert Williams is a whole nother level athletic of athleticism and it really just allows us to run the floor get a ton of fast break opportunities and I think he's just really going to thrive in that Uh, there's obviously the hip injury which you have to monitor and you have to worry about Uh, but I think Robert Williams is going to be a huge part of the Celtics potentially having a good second half to the year and the Tice trade really just uh, frees him up being the center of the future and uh, I think I'm really, really excited for that. And I'm just excited to continue to see his growth. I hope he can just stay healthy, because if he can, he's going to be a fantastic player in this league, and he's already proven uh, the versatility to just do a bunch of different things, and he's really grown a lot this year, and that pick is just looking really, really good, so... Uh, I'm overall a fan of the Celtics trade deadline. I do hope as long as we can use the rest of the trade exception in the offseason we do because we're still far from a perfect team. I still want us to get more depth. Like The depth is better now, but it's still not as great as you'd want it to be. Uh, But it's a start at least, and hopefully the uh, the Celtics game against the Bucks is the start of something because that was the team we all knew they could be. They were moving the ball, uh, playing team offense tatum was being the superstar caliber player that we know he can be and they were all committing on defense playing hard and just had a fantastic game as a whole and now with evan fournier being another guy who can score another guy who could shoot and with the emergence of robert williams with those minutes freed up I do think the Celtics can have a good second half of the year. Still don't think they're contenders or anything, uh, but this is definitely a step. We just got to re-sign Evan Fournier and hope Robert Williams plays well. Overall, I think it was a solid deadline for the Celtics, even if you may have wanted them to do a bit more. Next team I want to talk about at the 2021 NBA trade deadline is definitely one of the biggest winners of it, and it has to be the Miami Heat. This was a fantastic deadline for them as they were able to get a lot without having to give up almost anything. Very, very impressive stuff by Pat Riley. He just does it yet again, and I think this Heat team is super dangerous in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they're a team that I'm going to predict to like win a championship or even go to the finals or maybe even the conference finals, but they're going to give whatever team they face – in the first and second round, a really, really tough matchup, and they're going to make things super hard. Uh, they acquired Victor Oladipo, which I think is a fantastic move for them, because literally, no matter what you think of Victor Oladipo, he's better than Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek, Uh, and that is just such a great idea. Uh, for them to get a player like Oladipo, who wants to be with the Heat. He's made that pretty damn clear without directly saying it. It's a big market. They are going to have the cap flexibility to re-sign him. Uh, Again, he'll actually want to be there, so he should want to re-sign too. And he is a player who's so talented and has had some really good moments this year. It's been super up and down. Uh, he's been kind of just like there a lot of times in Houston, but recently he's been playing like an all star caliber player. And I just think he's one of those guys who fits so well into the Heat culture and then gives them another dynamic that they really need, which is just another guy who could be, hopefully at least, a pretty consistent scoring option outside of Jimmy Butler. Because as much as I like Tyler Hero, I'm a big fan of Tyler Hero. He's been underwhelming this year. He's had good moments, and he's definitely grown as a player, but his three-point shooting has been massively disappointing, uh, and that's something he's got to get better at. He's only shot about 31% from three this year, and for a guy who is as good of a shooter as we all know Tyler Hero should be at least, uh, that is unacceptable. So getting a good vet in Victor Aldipo, who's also a million times better on the defensive side of the ball, Uh, is huge for them. I think he's going to make a big, big impact on this team. And when you look at a big three potentially of what Victor Oladipo can be, which I don't even think needs to be like most improved player Victor Oladipo because most improved player Victor Oladipo was an all-NBA caliber player. He was averaging like 25 five and five like he was fantastic that year but all I think Victor Oladipo needs to be is a consistent 18 point score on good efficiency and who plays good defense and then when you look at a big three of him Jimmy Butler Bam Adebayo and then you got role players like a Goran like a Duncan Robinson, who's going to be a sniper. Tyler Hero, uh, potentially coming off the bench and playing a six-man type of role. You got Kendrick Nunn, who can also be a bucket off the bench. You traded for Nemanja Bjelica as well, who's going to be a really good stretch for her. You got Trevor Ariza, who can be a just decent wing off the bench. You got Andre Godala, Precious Achua, who's going to be an energy guy off the bench. That is a really really nice team and it's just super well-rounded especially when you cap it off with one of the best coaches in the NBA and Eric Spolstra I just think that's such a great move as a whole and again you are going to need to resign him and hopefully he doesn't want crazy money but in a big market where he's going to get more attention towards him where he's also going to be winning games uh, I think he'll be willing to not Uh, get as much money as he was previously maybe expecting because this will be more of an opportunity for uh, brand deals and and again he's just in a place where he wants to be which is so so important uh, because he clearly didn't want to be in Houston uh, and there's a reason it was basically known by everyone he was going to get traded I was shocked that he didn't get traded till the last minute uh, possible but I also think this is fantastic on the heat side for another reason and it's the fact that. They knew the situation at hand. They knew that Victor Oladipo was desperate to get out of Houston and they were desperate to get rid of him. So they would not budge on trading valuable assets. They waited till the last minute possible where the uh, Houston Rockets were literally forced to trade Victor Oladipo for almost nothing. Which is just a genius move by Pat Riley. Because he knew his situation. He knew the leverage that he had in that situation. So he waited to the last possible minute and only had to give up Avery Bradley, who's barely even played for them this year due to some injuries and isn't that great anyway. I like that pickup when they made it, but it wasn't going to be super impactful uh, no matter what. And then Kelly Olinick, who you got a basically better version of Kelly O'Linick in the Manubi Elisa on your team right now. I think this makes the he just one of the most dangerous teams in the NBA as a whole. And just makes them a whole lot better. And I'm really, really excited that they made this move. Because it's a move that people always wanted them to make. It was just such a clear fit with Victor Aldepo there. I mean, those Victor Aldipo, uh, he jersey swaps have been out there for forever. Because we all knew they had caps in the offseason and when like Giannis signed his super max extension it just made all the sense in the world for them to get someone who isn't a max caliber player but when he's healthy at least can be below that and like just below that and can be a very very good and impactful player uh, on whatever roster he's playing for he fits the mold of what every team needs which is a guy who can create his own shot but also play off the ball play defense and Uh, and then Bielitsa is a really good fit for them as someone who's just going to stand in the corner and shoot the ball. Uh, He's not really going to do much else other than that, but they got a ton of good playmakers on this team who can uh, penetrate, get inside, and then kick it out to those corners, which he should uh, hopefully thrive at, and they only had to trade away uh, Chris Silva and Maurice Harkless, who really didn't even play for them at all. Like They were both getting uh, DMP coaches' decisions, and it's another just... Super low-risk but high-reward move. It was a bunch of fantastic moves from the IME. I think they killed it, uh, and I definitely think they deserve uh, to get a ton of praise for what they did at the trade deadline because they stayed patient, uh, made other teams give up on players because they knew they had to trade them, and just got uh, good players for super low value uh, and then kept their assets in the future where they could still make a bigger trade. And I just think that's masterful by the Heat. I mean, I would have loved for them to get someone like Kyle Lowry. But Victor Aldipo getting him for basically nothing, I'd say is better than having to give up significant value uh, for Kyle Lowry. I'm super interested to see how Vo does play. And hopefully what we saw out of him in like the last... 10 or so games he played for Houston where he was looking like an all-star caliber player uh, can be what he is for the Heat but even if Victor Oladipo is playing uh, much worse than we know he has the capability to play it's better than uh, Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk, so it's still a big W overall for the Heat they did a fantastic job uh, made low risk high reward moves and the Heat just do it yet again I don't know how they do this every single year where they just make such savvy and smart moves. Uh, But, I mean, they did it. It was fantastic uh, for the Heat, and I really, really like their trade deadline. And I really like the potential uh, playoff matchups that they can have uh, in uh, the playoffs. I think they're going to be a really just dangerous, sneaky team that every team has to worry about. And if I was the Brooklyn Nets, Philadelphia 76ers, uh, basically anybody i would not want to play the miami Heat. this team is scary and they just uh, added a lot to their roster during uh, this trade deadline it was a fantastic deadline for them i'm gonna take a
1: break and i'll be right back okay i'm back to talk about the denver nuggets who made some moves i liked quite a lot At the 2021 NBA trade deadline, definitely one of the bigger winners. I think they just absolutely killed it and did a really good job to make smart moves to improve their team. Their team that's uh, trying to win a championship right now. They got one of the best players in the world in Nikola Jokic, who's uh, probably my MVP so far this year. He's been absolutely out of this world, has just been uh, straight up fantastic. And they also have Jamal Murray, who's had a pretty good year, especially of late. He's been playing much better basketball. So it makes sense uh, for them to just go all in on this season and improve the roster, improve the issues that they had and I feel like they did an amazing job of addressing those issues first trade they made was to get JaVale McGee they traded Isaiah Hartenstein and two uh future protected second round picks which shouldn't really turn into anything JaVale McGee fantastic pickup a guy who can play a really solid backup center he's obviously not going to be playing many minutes cause of how good Jokic is and how many minutes he'll be playing uh, but he can just play in a super small role good locker room guy and I think he's going to be really nice for the Nuggets uh, they got Zeke Najee, but this year he's played more of a four role. I thought he was going to come into the league being a five, but he really improved his outside shooting, and he's super mobile, so it's allowed him to play more of that power forward role. So getting a legit, solid backup big who can just play limited minutes run the floor catch lobs get blocks and get rebounds I think is a great move for them and you're giving up almost nothing uh you're replacing JaVale with Isaiah Hardenstein Hardenstein uh, still has potential I guess but it's definitely an upgrade and then two future uh protected second round picks it's a 2027 uh second and a 2023 second so those shouldn't really turn into anything and i think this is a a really good trade for them even if it's not going to be super impactful by any means it's just a smart trade to bolster your roster and add something that you need really good trade from them And then the second trade they made was one of the bigger trades of the deadline. And it was them trading away Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a 2025 first round pick for Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark. Uh, now obviously they're giving away some stuff right here Gary Harris has struggled the past couple years uh, has dealt with a lot of injuries in his career so I don't really think that's too big of a deal even if he is a pretty decent player and he uh, does have like a lot of good relations with the people in the locker room from all like the interviews I've watched and all the things that I've I uh, heard them say they all seem to like Gary Harris quite a lot. They're giving away RJ Hampton, who does have quite a lot of potential. Nice young prospect uh, for the Magic to get. He had some really good moments for the Nuggets. Uh, but I don't think it's too big of a deal to give them up just because, again, they are trying to win right now. And they're one of those teams, uh, which like the Boston Celtics have done this a lot, where you hold on to these young players when... Uh, You're just hoping for their potential, even though they're not necessarily helping the team win right now. I like them moving on from RJ Hampton and getting more of a win-down player, even if he's going to be pretty good in the future. And then a 2025 first, that team should be really good in the future, Uh, so that shouldn't be too good of a pick, probably around the 20s. Uh, for the draft pick and obviously that's kind of just up to the magic at that point uh, to get a player that they can develop well but that's not really too much value for a guy like Aaron Gordon and I talked about uh, this potential trade a lot and I'm just absolutely in love with the fit of Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets I think he fills exactly what they need on that team and I think he just fits perfectly alongside what they already have it's absolutely fantastic for them to get a guy like Aaron Gordon because that's what I was talking about for a while is that I wanted to see them use the bigger contract of Gary Harris and then one of their young assets to get a versatile defensive wing and that is exactly what they did here I think Aaron Gordon still has quite a lot of potential even though he's not uh, super young anymore, but he's still not super old. And he was put in a really weird situation with the Magic where I feel like he was just asked to do a lot of stuff that wasn't really him. He was asked to play the three, which is not his position. Then he was asked to be like a shot creator for them at one point. But I think now. In a newfound role in the Nuggets, he can be really damn good because they are going to know exactly how to use Aaron Gordon. I think he could play small ball five very occasionally, like when uh, either JaVale or Jokic are out of the game. I think that would be a cool role for him to just play in a super limited amount, but I think that could really unlock him. And I think him cutting off a Jokic and getting easy buckets at the basket is going to be so beautiful because we all know how athletic Aaron Gordon is. And this is what I always wanted to see Aaron Gordon be used in, used in a role where he's more of a cutter, more of a guy using off-ball action to get to the basket and get easy finishes and then when you got one of the best playmakers of all time in Nikola Jokic alongside him that works really well I think you can run 4-5 pick and rolls with either of them as the ball handler and that be super deadly I think a pick and roll or pick and pop with him and Jamal Murray would get him a ton of easy buckets with the offensive threat that Jamal Murray is and him being a pretty uh, decent playmaker and then he just really fills what they need on the defensive side of the ball, which was versatility at the forward position. It is just absolutely perfect for them because while Aaron Gordon isn't going to stop LeBron, he isn't going to stop Kawhi Leonard. They just needed someone to do a better job of that. They were really missing uh, the Jeremy Grant aspect of it, like obviously they have good forwards. I really like the role players that they have, a Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap. Both shoot the ball well, both are smart defenders, but don't really have the athleticism or uh, the size necessarily. Uh, to guard those really good wings nowadays and then michael porter jr really good offensive player super skilled super talented but definitely has had his struggles on the defensive side of the ball throughout his career so far so just getting a proven good defender who can uh, be versatile play in a multitude of roles create his own shot very occasionally but now be more of an off-ball player used as a cutter and a screener. If they use him that way, I think Aaron Gordon is going to rise to a level that we just simply didn't see with the Magic because he was put in a weird role. And I just think this is so helpful to the Nuggets potentially making uh, a deep playoff run because if you look at what they have now, if you look at a lineup of Jamal Murray, Will Barton, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Jokic. That is a really good offensive lineup with a bunch of guys who can do different things. Uh, the one through three, all of them can create their own shot, run, pick, and rolls. Uh, but Michael Porter Jr. is also super good at moving off the ball. Will Barton can also play a spark plug role off the bench. And then Aaron Gordon can create his own shot occasionally, be used as a cutter and a screener. And then Jokic is the one that everything runs through. And then on defense, obviously it's far from a great defensive lineup, but Jamal Murray's underrated on defense. He's a lot better than he used to be. Definitely puts in more effort. He's not top five in defensive player of the year like uh, the NBA had him listed as one week. But he is a guy who uh, does a good job of staying in front of his men, uses his hands to get steals and overall just puts in the effort necessary uh you got Will Barton, who's a decent defender Jokic is underrated on defense too with his quick hands and his ability to force turnovers and then Aaron Gordon is a versatile guy who can guard uh probably three positions I would say and uh could just do a bunch of different things for them he could be a help side uh defender but he can also be a guy who plays really good individual defense too think this is a fantastic move for them and overall they just killed it at the trade deadline and with them already getting momentum them just improving their roster even more gives me a lot of confidence in the denver nuggets and especially with how wide open the west is due to the injuries that the lakers are dealing with i think a healthy lakers team is going to beat every team in the west but that's a big question mark at this point so if the lakers are not healthy Uh, I would definitely give the Nuggets a damn good shot of winning the West. There's great teams like the Jazz, like the Suns, the Clippers. There's so many fantastic teams in the West, but the Nuggets just really improved. And don't be surprised if we see the Nuggets finish as the number three seed and potentially make a Western Conference Finals or even a Finals, depending on health. This team is looking really, really nice, and they made a ton of great moves at the trade deadline. Now getting into winners and losers of the 2021 NBA trade deadline. I think a lot of teams made very, very interesting moves. And there's a lot of teams that simply lost due to the fact that they didn't make moves. So starting off with winners... Uh, number one, I got to give it to the Denver Nuggets. I just talked about all the great moves that they made, and I think they absolutely killed it with the Aaron Gordon acquisition, filling the hole at the forward position that they needed really bad, giving them a ton of versatility, uh, a lot more versatility on defense, and then him allowing uh to be just what he could always be, which is a guy who could cut. Set screens and roll to the basket. I think that's perfect for them. And I think JaVale McGee's a nice backup center. Uh, Got to give a winner to the Miami Heat as well. I mean, when you get Victor Aldipo for basically nothing, there's no way you're not a winner. Because no matter what you think of Victor Aldipo, he's worth much more than Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk. So they absolutely killed it with getting uh, him in that trade. And he could really be a part of a big three as long as as uh he's healthy and as long as he's utilized correctly i think he just fits perfectly into the heat culture uh he wants to be there so he should uh resign there as well i think that's just a fantastic trade because even if he doesn't the value is so low that it was worth taking that risk anyway and even if he's bad this year and if he's just never going to be the same player he used to be, it's still a good trade just because it's such a low risk, high reward move. And then getting a good shooter and Nemanja Bielica who can stand in the corners and get catch and shoots is really, really nice as well. He'll just play the Kelly Olenek role better than Kelly Olenek. So I think that's absolutely perfect. I got to give a big winner to the Chicago Bulls as well for uh, really giving Zach Levine uh, a great player alongside him and that's going to be a really fun and good duo to watch and they're really just going in a direction which I love to see they're trying to make the playoffs and I think they're giving themselves a damn good chance with how good of a roster this is Uh, I think in the future it gives an avenue for Patrick Williams to be the long term four and show that potential Potential that he absolutely has he's going to be a stud in this league Uh, they already got good veterans on the roster who they should be able to hold on to for a couple more years and I just think this is a really nice constructed roster solid head coach as well and Billy Donovan and they just uh, really did a great job of making good acquisitions and making really smart moves at the trade deadline this year and the last winner i am got to give is the Orlando Magic. While obviously they're going to be really bad this year and they're probably going to be not too good for a couple years to come, uh, the, the reason I have to give them a winner is because they're finally choosing a clear direction to go in. They were in that bad situation, which is honestly potentially the worst situation any NBA team could be in, which is not being uh, a terrible team and not getting like top five picks, but also... Uh, not being a team that really is doing anything in the playoffs more than winning one game in the first round. But now they've actually chosen a direction with the young nucleus they have of Cole Anthony, R.J. Hampton, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Chuma Okiki, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba. They have so many picks going forward and in a staff uh, stacked draft class they should be able to at worst, get a top-five pick. And with how good this class is, that would give you the opportunity of getting Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Evan Mobley, or Jalen Suggs. Like, come on. All those players have potential to be all NBA-caliber guys, and you're probably going to get at least one of them. And if you get lucky, you could get, in my opinion, a generational talent. In Cade Cunningham. So I think you're set up really well in the future. The only reason I wouldn't like their trade deadline is just because I wish they got a little bit more out of Fournier. And maybe a little bit more out of Vucevic. And I wish they traded Terrence Ross as well. But as a whole, I think they did a real good job of finally choosing a direction. And having a solidified way they're going in the future. So they definitely deserve a winner for me. Uh, for my losers, I got to start off number one, uh, the Houston Rockets. The James Harden trade is looking like an absolute disaster. Obviously, you get a ton of picks going forward, uh, but those picks are far from guaranteed ever. Uh, You've got to develop the players right. you got to scout right. So even that is like, it's obviously great to have a ton of picks going forward, uh, but it still isn't something that you're just going to be able to 100% uh, rely on and think that it's uh, just a guarantee that, that those picks are going to be good. So the James Harden trade just looks so bad because now you literally didn't get any player who's really going to be on your roster going forward. Like you have young talent that I like. I love Christian Wood. I really like Kevin Porter Jr. I like Kenyon Martin Jr. as well. Uh, But with how good of a player James Harden is, he's proved on the Brooklyn Nets that James Harden might be the best player in the world right now. Like, James Harden's been ridiculous ever since he's joined Brooklyn. The fact that you passed up on Karis and Jared Allen to get Victor depot because you still wanted to win. And now you're probably the worst team in basketball. That is a terrible look. Especially because you passed up on Ben Simmons as well. Like, That trade is looking so, so awful, and the Victor Oladipo situation with you getting basically nothing for him is an absolute disaster, and there's no other way around it. They're a massive loser at this uh, trade deadline. My next loser is the Dallas Mavericks. Now, they picked up J.J. Reddick, who I think is a decent pickup. And I don't think they're, like, massive losers or anything. But my one thing is I really wish they used the James Johnson expiring in a better way. Uh, I really wish they could have got Evan Fournier because there was a rumor that they were going to trade. I think it was uh, James Johnson, uh, Wesley Owondo, and then two second-round picks for Evan Fournier. So, I just, again, wish they used... uh, that expiring contract in a better way. Cause JJ Reddick was about to get bought out. So it d- didn't really seem like too many teams were interested in him. He's been pretty bad this year. Uh, they also got Nicola Melli, who I think is a fine pickup, but it's just like, I wish they could have done more with a big expiring contract like that. And I wish they really would have just gone more, Uh, All in on this season Uh, They're not going to be a championship team Basically no matter what they did But Luka's been so good this year Jalen Brunson uh, Chris staff has been playing well recently that I think you do have a chance to be a really good Playoff team And especially with the uh, Injuries that the Lakers are dealing with You really could have crept up In the standings After a super slow start So I just wish they made a better move It's not like a big deal or anything Uh, But I have to give them a slight loss on this. Uh, I also got to give a loss to the Pelicans just because they're keeping the same roster. That just doesn't really make sense next to each other. I actually love that they're keeping Lonzo, and I really hope they keep him in restricted free agency. It's more for me just the fact that uh, they couldn't find any deal to try and get rid of uh, Eric Bledsoe or like Stephen Adams. Or the fact that they didn't just get any other shooters as well, like... Uh, you didn't even have to try and move one of the guys who were a bad fit on your team just because those guys really don't have much trade value. So it was going to be kind of difficult uh, regardless. But it just would have been nice if they could get a uh, like solidified, just straight shooter because that was what J.J. Redick was meant to be. But he struggled this year and they just didn't do that. Again, it's not like the worst loss ever. You still got a super good young core but i'm just worried that they're going to mess up uh another just good lump sum of young talent which they've done in the past because this team is way too talented to be uh struggling like they are so I got to give them a bit of a loss as well the Warriors uh they're just uh here because they didn't make any moves and I feel like for them to make the playoff push that they're trying to this year they needed to do something it's not like they needed to get a star player or anything uh but Kelly Oubre was in so many rumors that I was uh, almost like guaranteeing that he was probably going to be gone, and he's still on that team. He's been really good uh, ever since a super slow start, uh, but it just seems like they were really just wanting to get rid of him, so it was surprising that they didn't. And then I just wanted to see them get some more depth. Uh, I really like the way Jordan Poole's been playing recently, but they still just don't have nearly enough depth, especially at the backup guard positions. So I would have just loved to see them make some sort of move they're not massive losers or anything i don't think any team in specific except for the rockets is like a ginormous loser Uh, But I got to give him a slight loss. And then I got to give a loss to the Portland Trailblazers as well. And it's not necessarily because of the player they got. Norman Powell is really good. I've been campaigning for like two and a half years now that Norman Powell is the most underrated player uh, in the NBA. But my one thing is that I think Gary Trent isn't much worse than Norman Powell. And I think he's going to be better than him or at least as good as him in like a year or two. Uh, and then Norman Powell is going to be an unrestricted free Asian. I think they should have – Uh, the bird rights on him Uh, but that doesn't mean he still just can't leave which is definitely worrying especially because they're probably going to get similar amounts of money and Gary Trent is younger almost as good as Norman Powell even if he's not as good they're about the same size Uh, I'd say Gary Trent probably has a bit of a slight upper hand on the defensive side of the ball and he's much younger than him and they would have Uh, had the rights to him as a restricted free agent. So it's just weird to me that they made that trade And I just don't really get it. So I got to give them a loss as well. And then I have three teams that I wanted to mention just being in the middle. uh, Where I don't think they did great. Don't think they did awful. Again, they're just kind of in the middle. But I wanted to talk about the trades they made. That was the Celtics. I think the Evan Fournier move is really good. uh, But I just would have loved to see them make a bigger move with the trade exception. And I wanted, even after the Evan Fournier move, I wanted to get another player off the bench. Would have loved if they got Terrence Ross. Uh, and Evan Fournier move as well. Can understand why people say they w- were losers. Could also understand why people would say they're winners. But I think it's just about right in the middle. A- they've got a good player. But I just wish they would have done more. The 76ers. I think the George Hill acquisition is pretty damn good. Uh, but with the... Uh, aspirations of them trying to get Kyle Lowry—it's like that's just a little bit deflating. Even though, again, I think the George Hill acquisition is really good. Even though it does kind of scare me a little bit that they got rid of Tony Bradley because he's been like fantastic for them as of late. And obviously, is going to be back sometime soon. Uh, but it just does confuse me a little bit why you would get rid of him when he was playing so well. Uh, White will still be able to come in and play some really solid basketball and we'll see more Paul Reed minutes. Shout it, shout out B ball, Paul. I love Paul Reed. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a solid trade deadline for them, but again, just kind of in the middle. And then the Raptors, I think it's a W to get Gary Trent, especially because you're going to have the rights to him as a restricted free agent. You're going to have to pay him, uh, but I think he's going to be fantastic. I'm a big fan of Gary Trent Jr. I think he can be an all-star caliber player in this league. I don't think he's ever going to be like a consistent one, or I don't even know if he'll ever make one. Uh, but I feel like he's going to be right on that tier where he's kind of uh, bordering being an all-star caliber guy. I just think he's really, really good. Uh, I love Gary Trent, and uh, I think that was a good move for them. But my one thing is just not getting rid of Kyle Lowry. I do think... Uh, I think they'll probably be able to pull off a sign-in trade in the offseason, but I would have loved to see them just fully commit to a new era in Toronto and trade Lowry. And they were getting a pretty damn good package from a team like the 76ers, so I wish they just would have taken it and stopped asking for so much for a guy who's on an expiring contract and is like 35 Uh, It was one really good move, and then I feel like one mistake from them. So, again, they're just in the middle. That is my winners and losers of the 2021 NBA trade deadline. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back, talk some NFL news.
0: Okay, I'm back to talk about the blockbuster trade that happened between the Dolphins, the 49ers, and the Eagles. This is one of the more exciting NFL trades to happen in a while. Uh, it's really affecting this draft order and just makes the draft a whole lot more interesting and already gives us an idea of, of what the 2021 uh, NFL season will look like and makes that a whole lot more interesting as well. So I'm really, really excited that this trade did go down. Uh, but let's get into some details of this trade and, and exactly how it went down and exactly what happened. So the Dolphins traded away their third overall pick. And in return, they got the 12th overall pick from the 49ers, a 2022 first rounder, a 2023 th- uh, third rounder, and a 2023 First rounder as well. So that is a pretty good return for them. You're getting uh, two first round picks and a third uh, next year as well. So I think that's a really good uh, move for them. But then they made even more moves as they traded away. Uh, the number 12 pick, a fourth rounder, and a 2022 first rounder for the sixth pick and fifth rounder. Uh, So that is just super interesting as well. Uh, I want to break it down for each side and why each team did make this trade. And first, I want to talk about what I think is the most compelling team in this move. And that is the San Francisco 49ers. They are very clearly going all in and trying to win a Super Bowl next year. And before, uh, the draft happens and before we really know exactly what every team is going to look like they are my pick to win the Super Bowl next year I think this team is incredibly talented but they obviously dealt with so many injuries last year and that is a big factor uh, for how well th- uh, they'll perform this year It's just how healthy they can be because obviously they have so many good players on the team uh, but if they can't stay healthy it doesn't really mean anything but presuming health, this team is so, so talented, but they were clearly one thing away, and that was a true franchise quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't terrible or anything, but he's in like the Jared Golf uh, type of realm where these players are all right and they're fine to have as your starting quarterback, but they definitely aren't like franchise changing or amazing quarterbacks by any means. So getting a guy uh, in this Uh, third overall pick in such a good QB class that I think could probably be a franchise uh, type QB is going to really help out this team. I think the top two picks are pretty solidified, but then you get into the area of like Justin Fields, uh, maybe even Mac Jones. Uh, There's just so many good QBs in this class, even though I think uh, the top two ones are going to be gone because Uh, I think those guys are just so, so good. I think Zach Wilson is phenomenal. Obviously, it'd be great if they could get him, but I don't think he's going to be available. Then, obviously, Trevor Lawrence. is just that dude. My pick for them, though, would probably be my third overall QB in the class, which is Trey Lance. I think it's super close between him and Justin Fields. They both have really good skill sets. Justin Fields is one of the better uh, running QBs uh, we've seen in a while, but he's also a guy who can throw the football very, very well. Isn't like a top tier, amazing thrower, but for someone who is as powerful as a runner as him and who is athletic as athletic as him he's still a very good thrower of the football and then you got trey lance who's a guy who played against uh some questionable competition and we really only saw one year of trey lance being uh, an amazing player he played one bowl game this year but that didn't really uh, mean anything it was with uh, players he hadn't really played with and it just didn't really show me anything in a bad or a good way because you can't really uh, just question how good he is based off one game with him not really having like any rhythm at all uh, but I do think Trey Lance is a really special quarterback as someone who has a great arm and Uh, Can just sling the football with ease. Also has uh, the mobility that's needed at the NFL level as well. Just has all the tools you need. And I think with Trey Lance as their quarterback with a true franchise guy who I think could be pretty good immediately uh, but could also with Jimmy Garoppolo still potentially being there have some flexibility to understand the offense and have a bit of time before he uh, takes over at that starting quarterback position I think that's absolutely phenomenal for the 49ers even though they're giving up a ton of value like that's a lot of value to move up to three in such a good quarterback class where you need a true franchise QB if you want to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I think this is an amazing move for them. I think this is absolutely uh, fantastic, and they did a great job uh, to get a uh, true guy who can just take over that team and make them a Super Bowl contender I really do think they're going to be a team that no one is going to want to face next year, they're going to be so much fun to watch and I'm really excited that they did make this move, they have other holes on the roster, you want them to address the cornerback position Uh, you want them to address other things too but they got a good offensive line, good receiving core one of the best tight ends or potentially the best tight end in the NFL, phenomenal uh, pass rushing game, Fred Warner, there's so many towns pieces on this roster and now if you could get uh, uh, franchise QB and hopefully get some corners in the back end of the draft in a pretty good corner class as well I think that's really good for the 49ers and they killed it with this trade uh, next going into the Dolphins I also think this is an amazing trade for them Because they are still going to get the player that they were probably going to get at three, which is just genius due to the fact uh, that the teams in front of them have much different needs than they do. We'll probably see uh, four QBs uh, go off the board first, and they'll still be set up really, really well to get probably the number one receiver in the class, which I just think is a phenomenal situation for them to be in. Uh, they did sign Will Fuller uh, to a one-year contract, so that definitely helps the receiver position, but they still need receiver, and I still think they need a true number one to help their franchise quarterback, to a of Iloa. They have other issues with the roster, and I mean, maybe they could take one of the top offensive linemen too, because either Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater uh, will be available after the Bengals pick. Uh, but I would probably go receiver. I'd probably go Jamar Chase. He's not my number one receiver in the class. He's probably my number two. I'm a big fan of Jalen Waddle and his game. But I think he does fit exactly what the Dolphins would need. I really like Preston Williams. Uh, they got Devontae Parker and obviously they got Will Fuller as well, but getting a true number one outside threat uh, I think would be absolutely fantastic for them to do and would be such a big move. So you getting so many picks in the future where you're continuing to stack up assets, basically just from the Laramie Tunsil trade, uh, and then you setting yourself up to potentially... If there's a really good player in next draft class, you could trade up. You could trade for a big star player. It's just a genius position they're putting themselves in as they have so many picks going forward, so many uh young, good players on the team, such a good head coach, and you're still gonna get the player you were probably gonna get at third anyway. Love this move for the Dolphins, just like the 49ers. They absolutely killed it and are putting themselves in a perfect position. And then this is probably like the least interesting part of the trade is the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. For me, I'd probably just try and take the best cornerback available or if Devontae Smith is available uh at the 12th overall pick. Uh I I still like this for the uh for them for sure you get a future pick next year and they should probably be able to get a really good player with that you also get uh, a fourth as well you're trading back you aren't going to get like uh one of the best receivers in the class outside of DeVonte Smith who should probably still be there he could get taken above there but I think he could definitely be there and you're probably not going to get Kyle Pitts which I feel like a lot of Eagles fans were starting to fall in love with Kyle Pitts and I I am absolutely in love with Kyle Pitts, too, as a prospect, my favorite player in the draft, and there's honestly not really much competition. I love Kyle Pitts so much, but you're still going to be able to get a really good player at 12th, either one of the best corners or one of the better receivers, which are both positions of need for you, and then you get future picks as well. Don't really have any super strong opinions about this, uh, but I still think it's a good move for them. And if you could get a guy who could create consistent separation like Devontae Smith or get one of the best uh, cornerbacks in the class, uh, I think that's a good move for you. And I just as a whole, I think all three teams did a really good job. I would probably rank uh, like what I like uh, most out of each team in the trade. I would probably go 49ers, Dolphins, uh, and then Eagles, but that isn't saying any of them did bad. I just think they all did a really good job. And I'm really excited to see how well the 49ers do this year. Love to see the Dolphins continuing to stack assets and probably getting the player. They're going to take at three anyway. And then the uh, Eagles get some future picks and could still get a really good player at twelve. Overall, just an amazing trade and one of uh, my favorite NFL trades ever, to be honest, that has been the episode of the under pressure podcast. It's been Michael peace out.